Leadership is in trouble in politics, in business, in the charitable sector, sector, in education, in sports teams. No one seems to be immune. It feels like every day we hear of another leader who has been forced out or quit because of some sort of moral failure or performance-related failure. Research published last month by Ipsos, the international research firm, showed that 90% of Brits believe we need new leaders in Westminster, and that probably won't come as a surprise to you, but it includes 65% of Tories. When a government's own party wants rid of their own leaders without any obvious alternative candidates, you know things aren't good. People assume their leaders can't really be trusted. And so we're passive about our commitment to whatever they are leading, whatever organization we're a part of, until we feel those leaders have proved themselves otherwise. Research calls it organizational cynicism. And the impact is massive. It's a huge factor in why there are unprecedented numbers of people burning out and facing emotional exhaustion in the roles at work and in organizations where they serve as volunteers. And actually, it drastically reduces people's commitment and their effectiveness to what they do. That's not to mention the leadership crisis um, where no one wants to lead. Increasingly, young people are saying, I don't, I don't want to be a leader. Why would I want to be a leader? All you do is open yourself up to criticism, get ripped apart. Why would I do that? It certainly isn't seen as virtuous to be a leader anymore. And why would it be when the media and everyone else around them is so cynical? Sadly, we know this, the church is not immune. I cannot tell you how many pastors I've spoken to recently who say that they have, been, have burnt out or they are burning out, reached the end of themselves in the last couple of years. And moral failures are becoming more and more common. I think we have to open our eyes to that and see that actually a lot of that is self-destruction because the pressure's too much. People, too much is expected of them. Barna research in the US found that 42% of pastors thought about quitting pastoral ministry altogether last year. So that's almost half of all pastors in those churches were thinking, I want out of here. I'm convinced that the Bible offers us a far better way of leading and a far better way of following. One that is healthy and life-giving for us and not this same cynicism and pressure and failure. This horrible cycle that we seem to be in. But we have to get clear on what it is and we have to identify where we have abandoned biblical leadership for worldly forms of leadership. So I'm going to read out to us 1 Peter 5 two through four again, which is what we read over these guys earlier. It says this, 
Let me read from verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, before we briefly show you the beauty of biblical leadership from these verses, we need to ask the question, what does the Bible mean when it talks about being shepherds? Well, the terms elder and pastor, they didn't appear all of a sudden out of the blue when we get to the New Testament church. It's ancient imagery used by God from the beginning of his redemption story for the world. It's part of the telling of the world's greatest story, a long journey where God gently shepherds his people from curse and wilderness towards blessing and home. This isn't a story of nice kind of fenced-in fields. Don't think, uh, you know, as you get into Renfrewshire or Stirlingshire or something and you see these lovely fields, really green, lots of pasture for the sheep to feed from with uh, podgy little sheep all fluffy with their little blue dot or red dot or whatever to identify which farmer they belong to and they're kind of just left there. Don't imagine that. Imagine a wilderness scene where... Sheep need to be led to pastures, find pastures, find water, be cared for in the heat of the sun, be guarded from all these circling animals at night that want to devour them for their supper. That's the kind of shepherding that we need to have in our minds here. The journey in the Old Testament began back in about 2200 BC when God called Abraham Abraham at that stage, this old, unknown shepherd from the Ur of the Chaldeans. He was to be a father of a nation, a nation on a journey, not just towards the blessing that comes when they would reach the promised land, but to the blessings of true life for all the world, for all nations, for all tribes, for all people, for all languages. That was the That was a trajectory, that was where they were going on this journey. So when Israel blessed Joseph in Genesis 48, he said that the same God who had walked with Abraham and Isaac was the God who has been his shepherd all his life to this day. At the heart of this new nation was the recognition that God himself was their shepherd leading them. David, almost a millennia later, said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By the 7th century BC, the prophets describe God as shepherd too, including Isaiah's 40, verse 11, this beautiful account of God tenderly caring for his people like a shepherd cares for his little lambs. God was always the chief shepherd, right from the beginning. The shepherd of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. Shepherd of David, shepherd of the prophets. 
but he also appointed under shepherds and elders, mature men from among the flock who God would use to shepherd the sheep. Spiritual oversight given to Israel's leader was described, leaders was always described as shepherding. That's a consistent theme. So the elders Moses appointed in the wilderness were to be seen that way. Israel's judges who God charged to shepherd his people. The kings, David, uh, was described as shepherding God's flock. And Israel's leaders in the time of the prophets, who actually they criticized for not shepherding faithfully, for being self-interested shepherds. And the truth is, these shepherds weren't always the best. They often took on the kind of leadership on offer in the world around them. They wanted to lead like the nations around them. And so Ezekiel and Jeremiah prophesied against this poor shepherding, this neglect of the sheep. Shepherds who only take care of themselves, they said. The kind of leadership where wealth is kept to themselves and people are disregarded as numbers. But God makes a promise to come and bring in, bring in his sheep. Micah 2, I will bring them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in the middle of a pasture. Ezekiel 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out. He takes responsibility. And when Jesus comes along, he looked at God's people with compassion and he said, you are like sheep without a shepherd. They were uncared for, mucky, lost, hungry, thirsty. They needed saving. They needed the kind of shepherd who would leave the 99 and go after the one. The kind of shepherd who would go out of his way and do all that he could to love, tenderly care for his sheep, put them over his shoulders and walk them home. And in the run up, in the year running up to his death, Jesus revealed, that's me. I I'm the good shepherd. I am God in the flesh, come to lead his people in the final stage of their journey to their home. After Jesus' resurrection, he spent time teaching and caring for his disciples. And one day over breakfast, he said to Peter three times, feed my sheep. In other words, be a shepherd of my flock. I'm entrusting them to you. I'm still the chief shepherd but I'm entrusting the work to you here on the ground. Feed my sheep. Peter and the other disciples were to make disciples of all nations. And they did it by planting churches and then appointing elders in every town to shepherd the people. The primary image of a leader in the Bible is to lead like a shepherd who tenderly cares for the sheep. What a contrast to the leaders in our world who seem to be only concerned about what they can get out of their employees and volunteers while it suits them. We, as a congregation, as a flock, 
at Glasgow Grace, this group of sheep following the ways of Jesus, the great shepherd, have appointed today by the power of the Holy Spirit, really it's God who appoints pastors, elders, under shepherds, overseers. Now, here in the text, we read Peter saying to my fellow elders. So, Dennis, Lewis, me, Johnny, we need to listen up to this. But it's actually super important that you know that elders are put in place to care tenderly for your joy so that you might know more of Jesus, so you might enjoy the care of the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd. And so the vision that we have here in the church should be radically different from what we see in the world. It's a vision for people to lay themselves down as leaders so that others can get closer to Jesus. And so I just want to take five, in fact six, quick fire things that we should see as an elder or a pastor here at Glasgow Grace and anywhere in any local church. The world needs more shepherds. And the first thing that we need to see is that shepherds should be among us. I once uh, went along to a conference and... Um, was thrilled to be invited into the leadership lunch. It's kind of like a green room. So, you know, feeling great. Wow, being picked one of the leaders. Head on down. As only as I'm heading down, I think, this is actually really weird. I'm not sure that we should be doing this. Actually, I think we should be among the people. Why am I not having lunch with everybody else? Why is it that I need to be separated out, siphoned out, and then go down and feel like extra special and go and hang out with all the leaders? Fair enough, there are times where leaders should get together and encourage one another, help one another. But actually, we want to avoid that at all costs, where we give the impression that our elders, our leaders, are not among the people. Elders should be people who immerse themselves in the life of the church rather than put themselves on a pedestal. People who say with the Apostle Paul, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That requires an elder to have the integrity to lead without pretense. You cannot share your life with someone without seeing all the bad bits. It's just not possible. I hope you've seen, and I mean this, lots of my bad bits. We need to let people see the real me. Not just their public image that they try to control. Those kind of leaders that just turn up at 10.25 to deliver a sermon, briefly talk to their pals and look for any excuse to get home for lunch before they pulled into a real conversation is not an elder. They're not among the people caring for the people. Elders should be present and accessible. 
They should be listening and taking the prophetic voice of the people and the priesthood of all believers seriously. Leaders molded in the ways of Jesus, the great shepherd, do not sit in green rooms and VIP areas or sneak inside doors. They live authentic lives among the church and they can do that because their identity is not dependent on their persona but is hidden in the person of Christ. We need more shepherds. And we need shepherds who are willing to lead and care for the church. Elders need to resist this temptation that can come to resent their role. When they pour out themselves spiritually, emotionally, physically, praying that Jimmy would come and see more of Jesus, enjoy him, find rest in him, and through him be healed and come to know him more fully, and they're praying for them and they're preparing things for them and they, they're waiting for them to come in the door and they can't wait to see the word of God ministered to them. To see them encouraged by other people within the congregation and then they get that message that probably somebody else has let them know about. That Jimmy is off on his sixth paddleboarding trip in seven weeks because he needs to rest. That can be an easy moment to moan. To get resentful. Elders must resist that at all costs and continue to love. To just keep loving, keep caring. It doesn't mean you don't challenge, you must challenge. But you also do it in love. You also do it because you're willing, because you have a heart for the people of God. That when sheep are wandering, you care. You don't just think, well, They're just not around that much, so what's the point? No, no. If they're under our care, we must, we must follow the ways of Jesus and think, how can we continue to love them well? We need to be workers for the joy of the people. Just as we are all called to be cheerful givers and not give under compulsion when it comes to giving finance, Elders are called to be cheerful pastors. In the same way, they do not hold back keeping the best of themselves and giving scraps and time and effort. It's more than duty. They give their best. They give their hearts. Pastors should be so changed by Jesus' love for them that they cannot help but be overwhelmed with desire to see others experience more of the goodness of God in their lives as well. We need more shepherds. And we need shepherds who want to share leadership. Not only should a shepherd be willing to lead, but they should always be looking to share that leadership with others. Every time the New Testament speaks of elders, it is plural. Every single time. No church should be led by just one person. You know what it's like if you're a sports fan? Your team might have bought up a whole bunch of superstars, but it's usually a recipe for disaster. See PSG over the last few seasons. Paris Saint-Germain, if you don't know what I'm on about. Well played Newcastle United. Beat them on Tuesday night. The superstars often want to be served by the rest of the team. 
They want the team to bring about glory for them. But actually, that is not the way of eldership, of shepherding in the Bible. Sad as it sounds, our hearts are so easily deceived that we have been, even in the church, far too quick to have run into these similar kinds of problems because people used pastoral ministry as a platform for their success. Honestly, that should make us want to vomit. It's just nothing to do with biblical leadership. The plurality of eldership means no one elder should lead without being held to account by other pastors. But even that togetherness can become a convenient way to maintain control for a small group of people. So elder teams must be careful that they don't just stroke each other's egos. We've got to comfort and challenge each other. Be a group of leaders who practice vulnerability, who are in the habit of confessing sin to one another, who pray for each other, who are confident in the work of Jesus in each other's lives. And together, go to battle against the enemy for the people of God that they love. In his book called Lead, Paul Tripp says, leadership teams need to avoid naive assumptions of peacetime safety and proud assessments of personal invulnerability that silence a conversation that every leader needs to have regularly with those in his leadership community. The gospel welcomes us to be honest because it offers divine aid for everything we would need to be honest about. We must, as leaders in the church, be vulnerable, grace-filled, and honest with one another, speaking into each other's lives, keeping one another accountable. But it's also because this plurality is also because elders have differing gifts, perspectives, and time to give to pastoring the flock. It's not possible, trust me, it's not possible for one or two to do it. We need more. The expansion of the elders team today is good news for this church. We need to share the burden and rely on one another. One of the really exciting parts of all of this for Johnny and I is that we can share that burden with trustworthy men of God with the kind of gifts and perspectives that we don't have. That is a good thing. We need more shepherds. We need shepherds who are eager servants. While leaders in the world are eager to ascend, to climb ladders, to reach the top and be served, Jesus calls his under shepherds to descend, to serve and not be served, to be like a seed buried in the ground. That can feel counterintuitive, can it? It can be tempting to think that elders should be selected on their ability and the kind of leadership skills that are so surprised in the world, the charisma to draw a crowd, the strategic vision to inspire a movement, the innovation to get things going, the implementation skills to make it all happen, the business acumen 
to resource it, the drive to see it through. Now, these things are good. Nothing wrong with them. But they must never be the measurement that we require of our leaders. They are simply not the things that Jesus looks for. He is looking for servants. That's it, servants. Why? Because God can do anything with people who take seriously what it is to lay themselves down in weakness and to be used by him in strength. We need leaders who are humble and give themselves to service. That's why the eldership qualifications that we have in the Bible are all character-based. There is only one exception, and that is teaching, because we need to be able to feed his sheep with the Word of God. Robert Quinn, a leadership professor at the University of Michigan, was reflecting on leadership literature out there in the world, and he wrote this. Leadership authors do not understand that leadership means go forth to die. If they did understand it, they would not be enticed to write about it because people do not want to hear this message. Most people want to be told how to get extraordinary results with minimum risk. They want to know how to get out of the box results with in the box courage. Elders are called to serve and they are called to serve eagerly, willingly. That takes the courage to go forth and die to serve with cross-shaped love. Number five, shepherds are to be examples. And honestly, we have seen this so clearly in the lives of Dennis and Lewis. Turn up early, willing to do all kinds of things around the place, from setting up chairs to helping with the teas and coffees, but also willing to preach and teach to put themselves out there and do that. There's this kind of willingness to serve at whatever level. No complaints, no moaning. Just love to serve God's people, love to serve Jesus. The contrast here for serving is not lording it over. And so what we really don't want to see at Glasgow Grace is anyone thinking that position means that they can kind of feel like they can condescend, uh, be condescending towards others. No, no, it should almost, it should really be the opposite. Like, how am I serving you? And when they do, don't get me wrong on that, there is still an authority, but they're choosing to put that authority to the side like Christ did and humbled himself for us. And to say, I don't need to exercise that authority. I'm going to love you, care for you, get alongside you, muck it in, and serve where I can. Now, there are moments where the eldership may have to use that authority in a way in which they are disciplining in the church. That is a biblical commandment. That's something that we mustn't miss out on. But actually, it's still at the heart of it, because we can see in the passages that describe it, it's about reconciliation and love. 
They're even doing that so that they can serve you. Because it's the best way to serve the church. It's the best way to serve you. Not people pleasing, but looking to help people to see Jesus, be reconciled to Jesus, be reconciled to one another, and worship him in unity and in love. We are to be examples, and we need more shepherds. Last one, we are to be followers. The greatest joy of a leader in the kingdom of God is that you are not the king. Leaders, leader, uh, leaders need a much better leader, and praise God they have one. They need to be shepherds, a shepherd's shepherd, a leader's leader. In other words, they need to follow Jesus first. Joe Virgo, who is the son of Terry Virgo, who uh, began the New Frontiers movement of churches, this wider movement of churches that we are a part of. He was interviewed a number of years ago and was asked about living with his dad and uh, asked, what did he do when there was big decisions to make and you were around the house as a kid and you kind of saw him and what he was doing? What would he do? Would he get frustrated? Would he get under pressure? Like what would... What happened when the pressure was on? Well, he would just go shut the door to his study and just hear him pray. Just heard him pray. Pray and he'd worship. That's how he'd respond. That is the, the kind of leaders we need to be who truly trust Jesus. When things are going wrong, not to just think, right, first thing I need to organize this and do that. And some of that needs done. First thing is, oh, Jesus, what do we do? Help us. We need you. We're relying on you. We're following you. You're the chief shepherd. In advance, we talk about going to the outermost parts of the earth with the gospel and the innermost parts of our hearts. To lead well, if we want to keep going on mission, keep going on, along on this journey that God has us on as we look to journey to home, we're also looking to journey on mission as we join with the mission of God and plant more churches and see more people saved and see people discipled. But to do that, we also must have, have Jesus come to the innermost parts of our hearts. We go with him to the outermost parts of the earth, but we need him to transform us in the innermost parts of our hearts. Right at the end of the Bible, Revelation. Here's, the, here's what thrills leaders. Here's what should thrill every Christian. When they see the shepherd has become the lamb. Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We need more shepherds, but those shepherds must be people who are looking to the chief shepherd, looking to the one who was willing to become the lamb who took away the sin of the world, who was slain on our behalf. Cross-shaped leaders, because they followed Christ to the very place where he was willing to die for them, willing to humble themselves. Leaders in the world, 
want to climb ladders. They want to raise themselves up. They want to use people while they're useful for them. Leaders in the church want to lay themselves down in the likeness of their Savior who they love and to be with him forever. And along the way, help as many people to find that same joy. Elders, shepherds, pastors, overseers, they should be among us. They should be willing to lead, share leadership, be servants, be examples, and be followers.